Welcome back, baseball fans and non-baseball fans alike. This is episode 28 of Roundly Third, the baseball podcast. Uh, another great little Wednesday. We're going to be talking through some storylines throughout the league. We're going to get into our Rounding Thirds player watch. Uh, and we are also going to give you our locks of the week. All coming up in episode 28. Roll the intro. Today, Today. I consider, I consider myself, myself the luckiest, the luckiest man, man on the face, on the of, the face earth. of the We are back, episode 28, as I have said. We're ready to roll. We got some great storylines. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm getting into the swing of just, you know, baseball's back. It's no longer a new revelation. It just is. It, it's baseball season. Baseball's always rolling, and I'm happy about it. Yeah, as well said, I mean, baseball's in full swing now. Most teams have played over 10 games. Um, some teams are overperforming. Some teams are struggling. Lots of stuff already going on, lots of awesome stuff going on, um, and I'm excited to talk about it again. I, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this Braves-Dodgers series that I know we're going to get into, you know, back-to-back NLCS matchups, Kershaw, Freed, Jansen, Freddie Freeman. I mean, so many storylines, and we'll get into some other stuff. Acuna back in the triple, uh, the AAA, uh, low attendance in Oakland, all types of stuff. It'll be a good one. Um, but James, with that said, how about we kick it off with the series I'm sure you've been paying most attention to, that is the Atlanta Braves at your Los Angeles Dodgers to open up, Do- or not to open up Dodger Stadium, or was it? I forget. No, no. no Reds open Dodger Stadium. But Freddie, first game against uh, Atlanta since leaving the Braves in the offseason. We had Kershaw on the mound in game one, just 14 strikeouts away from the all-time Dodger record coming off his seven perfect innings. I mean, James, what were your expectations going into the series and what are your, some of your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think just from a baseball side, it was going to be a great series. It's, you know, two premier national league teams, as you mentioned, they played the last two NLCSs, and I think that they're on a collision course for to complete that trilogy, um, you know, great lineups. And then of course the storylines, I'm not sure there's been, as many storylines in a series yet um, this year, just between you had the Freddie Freeman, the Kenley Jansen, um, as you said, even the Kershaw game was anticipated. So really I was expecting some, some great baseball and, you know, just some storylines, some, some great kind of off the field type of deal. And I think we got that um, as we are recording, we are just finishing the last game in the series, top of the eighth, as we record, uh, so we can kind of see what we got. And, and I'm thrilled. I mean, the storylines unplayed better than you could have even written them only in Hollywood, you know, and the baseball's been great. Um, you've had two great games from the Dodgers, game one and three, uh, excellent game two uh, for the Braves, headlined by Max Fried, just being dominant as you can be uh, on the mound. So a lot of great stuff. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, one thing I've been impressed about, and this isn't just, hasn't just been this season, um, but this whole season is how good Matt Olson is. I mean, he, right now he's batting 452. He went three for four in game one. He just seems to, you know, get it done every time he steps to the plate. I, I love his swing. I love how how he, like, loads up before he comes through. Um, but he's been really impressive. Um, but, the, yeah, that Max Freed start in game two, the only game the Braves have won thus far, uh, what was he, six perfect innings, and then he gave it up. I mean, he just looked absolutely dominant. He really I did. mean, he was unhittable, uh, just unhittable, one of those you're performances. You're talking about the best lineup. You're going against the best offense in baseball. And to go six per- – not allow a base runner through six innings was pretty impressive, and it was a well-deserved win for that team. And to have Kenley Jansen come in and close it, that was good too. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll skip skip right into that. We'll just kind of ping-pong through the series. Um, you know, I have mixed emotions. Kenley Jansen being one of my all-time favorite Dodgers back at Dodger Stadium. Um, 
you know, I'm kind of on the fence. Did I want him to get a save? No, because it meant LA was going to lose. But it's also like, yeah, at least one last time got to see Kenley Jansen save the day in Los Angeles, albeit for the wrong team. But that was a, you know, kind of bittersweet moment moment there for him. I will say a little bit of a rant. I am upset with my fellow Dodger fans, uh, extremely upset. And I preface this by saying you can't control or dictate how someone wants to be a fan. You know, everyone can be a fan in their own regard. But when Kenley Jansen was called out of the bullpen in the second game, you know, it wasn't him running out of LA's pen and California love playing a moment that I have loved over the last decade. We didn't get that. You had him running out of the visitors bullpen for the Braves, but he was showered and rained down with all these boos from Dodgers fans. And it incensed me because what are you like? I understand he left. I understand he went to the team that knocked you out of the playoffs and there's that dynamic. But this is a guy who was in your organization for 17 years. He has, he's up there for like the most saves in all of baseball history and all of them, except for the handful he has a season are in a Los Angeles Dodgers uniform. I mean, over the last two decades outside of Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen is the most synonymous player. I mean, I just don't understand where the booze came from and I didn't like it. You know, you may not like that he left in free agency, but like he won a world series here. He did what he had to do. You know, and I've seen he's personally happy with uh, Albies, who's also from Curacao. Um, it just, look, he, he did what he had to do. You, you know, you don't, if he leaves, you just don't boo the guy. He was a cornerstone of your organization 13 years, or 17 years. Um, he was in the organization, I think 13 in the pros. But just, I didn't like it. Didn't like it one bit from Dodger fans. Yeah, and I think, like, if anything, if you think about the, the worst change of teams, it would probably be Freddie Freeman going from the Braves to the the Dodgers who, you know, perennially spend more money than anybody and just always, you know, seem to gobble up these free agents. Um, but, but you definitely won't see that. I mean, obviously it's a different scenario, but yeah, Kenley Jansen spent his whole career in Los Angeles, not even just on the major league team, but coming up through the pipeline. Um, and I, I imagine, you know, I, I can't imagine it's a large majority or even a, a large minority of fans who are booing him. But I, I totally agree. You can't blame him from jumping to the Braves or, or really jumping to any team after spending his entire career there. I didn't I didn't catch that live on the broadcast, though. Yeah, and, and it was loud enough that it was, like, audible. It was the dominating noise in the stadium. And I just, you know, I think about Ken Lee. I don't want his last taste in L.A., his last thought. Like, damn, I really saved 270 games for this team and was a cornerstone piece, and now they're booing me because the Braves are going to pay me. I just don't want his last thought of Los Angeles and the fans to be, man, they really, they savagely booed me, you know, one month into a new contract after 17 years. Um, You know, and of course, like, LA got Krimbrel. You can't even really be mad. They fixed the issue. He didn't leave an issue or a gap on the team. Didn't like it one bit. Um, I I guess I'd pivot from that to something that Braves fans definitely didn't like one bit, and that would be Freddie for Freddie Freeman's first at bat against the Braves um, in Dodger Stadium. He he saw the first pitch it was a I don't know remember what pitch it was, but he goes down oh one, and then yeah. the very next pitch just blast a home run. His first plate appearance with against the Braves results in a home run for his first home run as a Dodger. Uh, and the one thing I just want to add to that before I get your your take on that, Max, his last plate appearance for the Braves was also a home run. So last appearance with them, home run, first against some home run, Freddie mashes. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty awesome. Well-anticipated at bat, everyone waiting to see Freddie step in there, just hits it square on the barrel, oppo, poppo, blast into left field, I guess. Um, it was really good. It was really good. And then he hit another one today. But I think he went, I, I forget what I said. We talked about it right before this, but he, I think he went one for two for four or something in that game one. He's three for four today. Um, he's been looking really good in the Dodger uniform. But, but yeah, it was great to see him step up, all eyes on him, all eyes in the whole baseball world on him and, you know, gets the job done. He's been looking really good. He's been looking really good. Hasn't missed a step since last year. 
he he's looked great and of course just that storyline i mean everyone's been saying on twitter you know this is something only in la the other thing is i wish that we didn't do our lock of the week on wednesdays because that would have easily been my lock of the week i had mm-hmm. plus 450 freddie freeman to homer in that game against the braves we are laughing all the way to the bank i mean that was one of the easiest bets i've ever made in my entire life <laughs> yeah I mean, in, in that whole Dodger offense, and I'll pivot to something after this, does that whole Dodger offense, I mean, they're the best offense in baseball right now. I think they have the highest run production um, out of any team. After maybe a little bit of a slow start that, you know, they were your dicey team the first week. But ever since then, they've just been rolling. Um, even Bellinger. Bellinger's been picking it up well. Their only game, and this is what I want to talk about, is this Max Freed start. Um that was the only game where it was like, I can't believe this this lineup isn't getting a hold of him. Max Fried goes seven innings pitched, two hits, eight Ks, no walks, no earned runs. Um, and then Tyler Matzik and Kelly Jansen each pitch an inning and get it done. Um, Max Fried is, you know, I think he might be one of my favorite pitchers in baseball right now. I think he just takes it extremely seriously. You can see it on his face the whole game. There's no messing around. He takes every part of it seriously, um, even in the field. You know, he's won the past two gold gloves as a pitcher in the National League. He won a silver slugger last year while uh, when pitchers could still bat. They were showing him before the game, like really focusing on everything from just how he stands on the mound and how he approaches all of his pitches. And I know he was a lot of people's pick to win National League Cy Young, and I even – I, I didn't pick him, I don't think. But I even flirted with that idea because, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that we've seen coming up the ranks the past couple of years uh, with Giolito and Flaherty, who we went to high school with. And he just really does look like he's ready to put it all together. But from the Dodger end, the pitching the pitching today, I will say, was great. Gonsolin gave up one hit in like five innings, looked really good. Kershaw didn't have the best of starts. It looked like he was, you know, doing pretty well for a while and then gave up some runs and they took him out. Walker Bueller didn't look great yesterday. Um, five innings pitched, eight hits, three earned runs, only two strikeouts, which Walker Bueller's typically a very high strikeout guy. Um, so a two strikeouts, one walk ratio was not his best start, um, especially going up against Freed. Um, but the pitching has been really interesting in this. And like I said, Gonsolin looked really good today. Yeah, just to give some uh, context for that, Walker Bueller's career uh, Ks per nine is 9.5. So he's normally a pretty high strikeout getter. Um, again, he's looked a little rough to start the season, a little rusty. But altogether, it's been a great series. Um, it's been almost must-watch baseball. Agreed. It looks like the Dodgers are going to come out on top. And uh, it was, I mean, just some great things, even if you're an Atlanta fan, as you mentioned, the Freed game, which I'm pretty sure that was your Cy Young pick. I'd have to look back, but I'm you know I have it written down right here. Let me look. NL Cy Young. No, I had uh I had Bueller. I had the other side of it. I had Bueller and Verlander. Well, that's um, we'll see. Uh, I think I know I had Bueller Cy Young too. So maybe that pick a little bit tough, but uh, long season. Um, I, I think we've touched enough on this series. Um, if you yep. feel that way, right. I suggest we move to a less successful California baseball organization. Uh, that soon being the, to be not California baseball organization. Soon to not be a not California baseball organization. Or all signs point to um, the – and we're speaking of the Oakland Athletics, if you haven't picked up on that. Um, of course, we talked at nauseum over the offseason at the absolutely atroc- atrocity that it was that they blew that team. I mean, we've seen, as you said, Matt Olson on Atlanta has been the best player on their team. They don't even miss Freddie Freeman from a baseball perspective because Matt Olson has legitimately been better. Um, but they, you know, they blew that team up. Their only offseason money they spent was on Jed Lowry, you know, small little contract. Uh, very clearly, they did not want to make competitive baseball moves. And now, oh, as they, they are leading the AOS right now at seven and five. You never know. <laughs> yeah, well, you you never know. I mean, maybe a sneaky, you know, Billy Bean type money ball move again. But they, I don't. I think it's pretty clear they were not striving to be a competitive baseball team. Um, and now I think as as Oakland got their first home series, um, we can see that they're not trying to even be a successful money making baseball enterprise. Um, I mean, it's yeah. a tough scene. 
Yeah, so they announced the attendance last night at an or at a Athletics Orioles game, which already isn't a big crowd draw. Both of those teams aren't the greatest. They announced the announced attendance, so who knows how many people actually showed up. The announced attendance was 3,700 people, um, which is the lowest in 42 years. There was a one around 5,000 in Miami a couple years ago, um, but I mean. Only getting 3,700 people to show up to the Coliseum in Oakland is pretty brutal. Um, and it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Like, it is sad because it speaks more to the organization. Like, the, that's, they've wanted that team to move for years now. And to be fair, like, the Coliseum isn't, isn't really a great stadium anymore. It's really old. They have lots of, you know, leaks and issues with that stadium. And it just people don't want to go there anymore. And when you don't have a product like you were talking about, even though I was joking saying they're winning the AL West, when you don't have a product with really anybody, any star player, like I can barely name a couple players on the athletics these days. Um, it's really, it's really sad for the city of Oakland. And they, you know, they've been talking about building a new stadium, but it looks more and more like that team is going to move likely to Las Vegas or somewhere who knows. Um, but yeah, it's just really sad. I you can look at pictures from the game, and it's just like it looks like they're playing in an empty stadium. Yeah, and I mean, I, I saw some comparisons on Twitter that the Las Vegas AAA team pulled uh, north of five thousand people, and it's just and that was just because Las Vegas is the city that their eye is on the most. But most AAA teams are outdrawing that. I mean, it, it's just embarrassing. And for some context, I was on some Oakland fan forums and saw that it actually looks like the organization uh, went 2x and doubled their season ticket holder price for the year. And like, keep in mind, they they blew up their team so that the product that you're getting on the field is maybe one-eighth of what you got last year, and they've doubled the prices. Um, you know, like you said, it's just it's terrible for the fan. Oakland Athletics had great fans. They have a great story, you know, that their legacy with Billy Bean and Moneyball um, – you know, just just everything. They they've had multiple ninety win seasons this decade. Not a team that should have been blown up. And I have problems with the organization targeting a move, specifically because last year they uh, renamed the field, so it is Ricky Henderson Field at the Coliseum. You cannot name the field after Ricky Henderson and then move out of Oakland and from that field two years later. I mean, it, that's a ridiculous blow to. Ricky, I mean, just why drag him into that would be my opinion. Don't name the field that if, if you have no interest in playing baseball and playing baseball in that city and having fans. I mean, it's just – it's gross. It's gross by Oakland. Yeah, and I, I think what you said is right, how, you know, the ownership wants to move the team and, and they're doing their best to make that a reality by raising ticket prices and not making the team fun to watch. And so they're, they're really making it hard on the taxpayers in the city to justify leaving leaving that team there. Which is just kind of, you know, it's a shitty thing to do. Um, but I, who knows what will end up with the, the athletics, you know. I don't know if, I, I just, I, for some reason, I don't see a baseball team in Vegas. Like, I just can't see it happening. But, I mean, like, would they be the Las Vegas athletics or would they just totally rebrand the entire franchise? I feel like they would rebrand the whole thing. And then, I mean, that's just a sad for baseball. Like, I mean, Oakland is just one of those scenes where even though it's been small market and not had the budget, they're there. Everyone knows the Oakland Athletics. They're always somehow like kind of backdoor, second burner relevant. Um, you know, it's just a sad, terrible thing for Oakland. As you said, no one really knows the future of the team. That's part of why the fans aren't coming. And, and you know, the ownership is trying to show that you cannot successfully have Major League Baseball in Oakland to demonstrate a need to move. That's what they're trying to do. It's and they've really had a good fan base in the past, like like the years where they're successful. It's not like they have. It's not like like no offense to the Marlins, but like the Miami, they just have a tough time like getting to the stadium. The 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 stadium's just far out of the way, and you know maybe maybe baseball is not the most important thing there. But the Athletics have a solid fan base. You know when they've been successful these past this past decade, and they've hosted playoff games, their wild card games, that place has been super electric and really fun to watch games. And so it just seems like this is the the beginning of the end or maybe the middle of the end for this team. And I guess we'll have to see what comes of them. 
But let's move to the next topic, um, the next big storyline. The person that I picked to win NL MVP this year, who hasn't even played a game yet, has finally come back. Ronald Acuna Jr. started his first game in the AAA on rehab assignment, getting ready for his return. He went one for three with a double, uh, his two other at-bats. One was just a rocket to center field that was a fly out, and the other was a grounder to third. He got taken out in the sixth inning. Um, He also had a walk. But he said, I feel better than I was. I'm ready to go. Um, You know, he he looked really good, too. He was hitting the ball good. His swing looked good. He's targeting a return in May. Um, That's what he said. There's a big homestand for the Braves starting on May 6th, which – you know, has been thrown around as the date he'll come back. But we'll see. He said he's ready to go. He said he's hoping to come back sooner than them. And think about this Braves team as we've been watching this series. You know, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Ozzy Albies, all these guys. And then you add Ronald Acuna Jr. pretty much in that leadoff spot. That's a scary thing. And I, I think I, I like Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think he's going to have a big year. I picked him as my NL MVP. But James, how do you feel about this? Are you excited to see Ronald back? Yeah, I mean, you have to be excited when you have a player like that. I mean, he's just electric. He's got the speed. He gets the home run and the stolen base accolades normally in the 30-for-30 club. You know, fun to watch in center field. Just an electric player. You know, Freddie Freeman said he's a a once-in-a-hundred-year type player, and he really is. I mean, he's just one of those. The game of baseball is better. It's more marketable. It's a better product to watch as a casual fan if Freddie – or not Freddie Freeman, if Ronald Acuna is in the game. So, you know, it's really fun. And I always – I love these rehab starts. I One of my favorite moments last year was when uh, Jake DeGrom was in single-A ball and just those kids are like, I have never seen a 100-mile-an-hour fastball dot the zone before. And it's like he did three perfect innings and sat there. You know, just like you said, he was smashing balls. His double was like six inches off from being a home run, nailed the absolute top of the wall. Um so he looks good. It's going to be great for baseball to have him back. Um, and I will say big props to the uh, Braves Triple uh, A team because they've really bought in from a marketing perspective. Yesterday they were putting out all kinds of Acuna things, you know, and that's for great reason. Um, you know, I'm in Columbus. If he was making a rehab start uh, against the Columbus Clippers, I'd be there. Like I'll pay minor league prices to see Ronald Acuna play any day of the week. Um, so can't wait to have him back for the sport. Um, not excited as someone who may have to go through the Braves and the NLCS because you don't want to play if he's good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget about somebody. Like, he he was amazing in 2019, and we had the COVID years who was shortened. He missed all of last – well, pretty much all of last season with the torn ACL and already missed part of this season. I mean, this is – this guy's, like, one of the top players in all of baseball. He's a Juan Soto. He's a Tatis. Like – He's gonna be. He's gonna come in. He's gonna give the highlights. He's gonna be flashy. He's gonna flip his bat. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great for baseball to have someone like him there, and especially because he's gonna be on a real contending team. Um, so we're gonna see him on all the national TV games. We're gonna see him into the postseason. Um, I'm super excited to see him back, just for the entertainment value it brings to baseball. Um, But with that, James, I mean, unless you had anything else on Acuna, otherwise, um, one other thing I want to talk about before we jump to the player watch and then the lock of the week is um, the pitch clock. So a story came out on ESPN yesterday by Jeff Passan, who talked about the the pitch clock, which has been in the rumors um, in the past about how MLB has the opportunity to implement it in the big leagues next year. But right now it is implemented in all of the minor leagues. So AAA down. And so far this season, it has proven to cut off 20 minutes from baseball games on average, which that's the whole purpose of it is to speed up these games. Um, because on average last year, you saw the uh, the average baseball game went around three hours and 11 minutes long. Um, and so far this year, they they use you know, basically timed a controlled set of about 300 games and uh, got it to around two hours and 59 minutes is what they were seeing this year. And the average game in the minors this year is around two hours and 39 minutes. And they haven't seen any significant change in run production despite the speeding up of pitches. Um, So 
they it went from 5.13 runs per game to 5.11. Really, I think statistically insignificant change. And similarly, 16.1 hits to 15.9 hits per game. Um, and so, so how it works is basically the pitcher will step on the mound. The, the batter has nine seconds to get in the box ready. And then the pitcher has 14 seconds with the bases empty to throw the pitch and 18 seconds with runners on. And you also just, you also only have, um, two step offs slash, uh, pick off attempts. So you can only pick it off, pick off the, uh, or throw it over to first twice, and you can only step off the mound twice. And so this has increased steal percentage uh, by 18%, steal attempt percentage, which is also interesting. And so if a, if a batter chooses not to or doesn't obey the rule, the time, they get an automatic strike called. And if the pitcher doesn't obey, they get an automatic ball called, which is kind of an interesting thing. And so... You know, this is a big change for baseball. It'll, it'll really affect a lot of different things. I'm in favor, obviously, of speeding up the games. I think it would be good for the entertainment value of baseball. It'd be good for watching games that go late into the night. And I think it would, you know, a lot of people's complaints about baseball is that they go so long. They are around three hours, three hours plus. And they actually saw a minor league game yesterday go under two hours and another one go exactly two hours. So I think it's doing what they want it to do. And I, I like how they did it. I like that the, the um, you know, the penalties they're implementing, the strike and ball. I think that's a lot better than like finding a guy or anything like that. And so I'm a fan of this. I think it's, you know, still in the works, but I think it looks good. And I expect MLB to implement it probably next year. James, how do you feel about it? Well, I'll say the the thing that gets me most interested is definitely the the pickoff, the pickoff limit. I really like that because I do think the more you have, especially action in baseball that does not revolve around hits, uh, the better that is. That way you have some base path action. And I like that. You know, you strategically now have to use your two pickoffs. I assume that's per inning. Um, you, you have to, uh, you know, use your pickoffs selectively, strategically. So maybe you don't pick off at the front. Maybe you wait for the 1-1 one, one count, you know, and find your spot to use that. So I like that. I also like the game going faster from a selfish perspective, you know, because of, of this show and, and just like in baseball. I watch so much baseball that that's time back into my day um, that I will use just to watch more other baseball games. But my big problem, I don't even know if I'd call it that, people are saying that this solution, cutting down the game time, is going to increase fans to the sport. And I do not agree with that um, because I think – Look, if you weren't going to watch three hours and 10 minutes of baseball, you're not going to watch two hours and 50 minutes of baseball because it's just the game. To me, it's like there's no one who's like, well, if this was 20 minutes shorter, I'd watch this whole game. But since it's not, it won't. I mean, you know, I would watch baseball if it was five hours. You would watch baseball if it was five hours. Right. Just the reality of the situation, I don't think you're losing fans because – and I do now I do know what you say where fans say, oh, you know, games take so long. But you're not saving an hour here. You're saving a relative portion of time, which only starts to really add up if you're watching 162 baseball games a year. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I don't think this is going to be implemented to like bring in new fans or anything like that. But I think it's more in a general sense, like they want to speed up the game. People are saying baseball is boring because the games take forever, which they can. I mean, there's probably the longest sport up there with football. And I think it's a good idea to try to, you know, speed up the game in any way possible without affecting the actual quality that's out there. And that's why they really wanted to focus on run production and hit production, despite the, the speed that the game is being played at. And there's been some talk about how, you know, having pitchers pitch faster or more pitches faster could lead to potential injury. Injury. Um, Jeff Passan said we haven't seen anything like that yet, but obviously it'll take, you know, time to really see the effects of it. Um, but it's an interesting thing that's coming to baseball, and I, I think it's will definitely be in baseball, you know, I think next year. I think next year we'll have this pitch clock. And it'll really only affect, like, like, it won't affect everybody. Like, some people get up there, get on the mound, and pitch the ball. But there are guys that, you know, take an excessive amount of time to throw the baseball. 
And so I think I think this is good. And I think it'll also lead to some dramatic events. You know, you only have 18 seconds and two throws over. And so if you get in like seventh or eighth inning, bases loaded, you're nervous, fans going crazy, the pitch clock's counting down, like you might see some crazy things happen. And I think it could lead to some really awesome moments. I, I have seen in that uh, Pazin article, it did say that in addition to the time, there was a little bit of an increase in the pace of play. Um, so that's probably a good thing. And not that it's super relevant to this conversation, but I just bring it in. In my opinion, if they want to expand the reach of the league and the interest in baseball, which is clearly a goal because that's been going down lin- uh, you know, on a linear line for decades, but would be you have to increase the knowledge around the game of baseball because I saw the stat today that even, you know, there's only seven minutes of action in your average MLB game or something like that. And it's almost redefining action because baseball fans, you know, you and I, and hopefully many fans listening, a lot of the action to me is, is playing the mental game. So it's not necessarily a hit, but it's like, Oh my gosh, it's two, two what's happening here. And until other fans see that benefit of baseball, it's if you're just watching baseball solely for hits and home runs, it's going to get boring. Uh, so I think it's selling that right. part of the game to other fans will do much more than a 20-minute decrease in time. But I do like the idea. I'm in favor of yeah. it. Well, it's an interesting thing. I would say expect to see it next year. Um, but it's, I think it's a really interesting topic. And it was a really good article that Jeff Passon talked about or uh, wrote, breaking it down on ESPN. Um, but with that, let's do it. Let's move to our player watch, James. So one player that we like this week one player that we're down on this week i'll let you kick it off give me your player that you're high on this week yeah i mean i think no surprises here you know it and it's a pretty easy um um, pick Uh, but the pick was influenced by the fact that i was just watching um the cubs game i can't remember who they were playing anymore but was watching the cubs and they flashed up say a suzuki's numbers and i was like oh my gosh and i had to pick up a phone and call you and just like have you seen these numbers recently so you know he just won national player of the week which kind of fun story he didn't know that they did that um and then also the cubs have a sponsorship i think all mlb teams do actually with jim beam but all the cubs had jim beam in their locker and he thought it was there for his national player of the week award and he doesn't drink so some fun stuff there but from the baseball side it's Seiya suzuki uh is my hot player i initially said i wasn't sure you know coming over from japan you don't know what you're gonna get say suzuki looks like a monster uh to open the season he's gone 12 for 29 that's a 414 uh batting average he smashed four home runs with 11 rbis um and is slugging it on bases insane this ops is a 1.4 um, so he's crushing the baseball. He's getting on base. I mean, I think he's far exceeded even the expectations of the people who were bullish on him. I just hope this production stays throughout the year. And it looks like Chicago may have found its newest cornerstone. Yeah, great pick. I mean, he's really been special this year. Um, and he, I think he lost his hit streak yesterday, but he went 0 for 1 with three walks. So he's still he's still riding like a 10-game on-base streak, which – I mean, he he has looked really special. Um, my player that I am high on this week is CJ Crone. Um, so he is currently leading the National League in homers. Not to mention he's on the Colorado Rockies, who are currently eight and three, and looking like they're about to beat the Phillies again to win that series and go to nine and three. Um, but he's um, he's batting three twenty six. He has six homers, which leads the National League. He has 14 RBIs, which is tied for second in the National League, and he has an OPS at 1.2. He's just looked really good. I mean, he's been one of the staples of this team that, you know, nobody really expected to be that good. They were a little bit flashy with the Chris Bryant signing, um, and, you know, they have Charlie Blackman and some of those guys that have been there. But he's really stepped up, and he's been really, really impressive so far, leading the National League in homers on a Rockies team that has been overperforming like crazy. We'll see if they can keep it up. You know, we're 14 games into an 162-game season. I don't expect the Rockies to be there at the end. But it's quite a start, quite a start for a team. They're probably the surprise of the year so far um, in terms of overperformance. If anything, at least, you know, Colorado fans, certainly something to be happy about now and, you know, stay engaged with the team. And I do owe an apology because I know you brought up the Rockies 
I think last week, and I told you, uh, it's a terrible team. It was flukes, you know, windy stadium, cheese, course field. They seem legit. So I think I was wrong there. As you said, we'll see where we're at at the end of the year. Great pick. I love the pick. He's been mashing everything. I do want to toss in an honorable mention because I think it's a pick that would be hard for you to make. Uh, I had to go with Seiya, but Nolan Arenado has been on a tear. He's yes, got like sir. a one one point four plus OPS mashing home. I mean, just he's looking vintage. You know, he's already on the graphics. Is this is finally his time to get his MVP? You know, so he's looked great. That that's an honorable mention because I know it's a homer pick for you. He has looked incredible. I mean, he really has. He's been in that fourth spot for us this whole year. And, I mean, he's just tearing it up. And another honorable mention I almost picked was Albert, who went two for three yesterday. I mean, he's batting over 400. He's 19 homers away. I mean, 19 homers away from 700. I've, I've been really liking what I've seen from the Redbirds. We've had two postponements, so we've played less games than everybody. But I think we're six and three now. Um just absolutely beat on the Marlins and going to beat them again in a couple minutes here. But yeah, give me your, give me your, uh, no, go ahead. Just real quick. Can I get a comment on uh speedy Albert's wheels scoring from first yesterday and that Tommy, I mean, what, where was that? That was vintage. He was flying. He was putting in all the extra effort yesterday. He even hit a little bloop single in the first inning and raced out for a double. I mean, he could have totally just stopped at first and been like, whatever, like, I don't need to run, but he was booking it uh, and then scoring from first to third. It was Albert's sh- Albert wants to win this year. He wants to end on a high note. Yeah, it's awesome to see. I mean, like I said, I only got Albert for a rental half season and I loved him from it. So <laughs> I'm vicariously living through this, um, his, his little return on the cards. So so great stuff there. Um, but I, I could hear you're going for you're trying to investigate who's my cold pick. And this is yes, maybe sir. one one that wouldn't be on the radar, uh, and maybe it's not the right use of my player watch, but to me it had to be slotted in. Uh, and quickly and unintentionally, this show is somewhat becoming just a hater avenue for this particular player. But my cold just bum of the week, I'm going bum of the week, is Garrett Cole. I mean, you have, we talked about it last show. He's whining and he's screaming at the national anthem, just losing his mind. Giant diva, big baby. And now he comes out to play a Detroit Tigers team, which he should be able to easily annihilate. It's a decent lineup, but you're playing in the AL East. You should be able to carve that lineup to the gills. And instead, he walked five of the 11 batters he faced, surrendered two earned runs, was at 68 pitches when he was pulled at 1.2 innings pitched. So he got two outs in the second inning, got through the first inning, could not even get out of the second inning. It was the shortest start of his professional career. I haven't looked yet. I guarantee he's going to whine and complain about the long inning, um, which the inning went long because Tucker Barnhart had an embarrassing drop of a Josh Donaldson infield pop, which then scored two long inning. Garrett Cole, the diva he is, comes out. He's in the bullpen throwing, trying to stay warm, you know, losing his mind on the sides just to come back and get pieced and walk every batter he saw. I mean, it was an embarrassing performance, so maybe not the coldest player, but if you're Garrett Cole, the season has started with accounts of you whining at everything. I mean, the Yankees fans were, are ruthlessly attacking him uh, since this start. So interesting to see. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, I had Garrett Cole too, um, but I, I've got somebody else. But real quick on Garrett Cole, uh, yeah, I mean, his start yesterday was so bad. He got pulled with two outs in the second inning after, you know, with the bases loaded. He was just terrible yesterday and terrible on opening day too. And the, and the Yankees have like, I forget how long it is, but they have another like six or seven years and like $700 million to pay that guy. So, you know, hopefully for the Yankees, he can pick it up. But I don't mind seeing him. I don't mind seeing him fail. Um, I think just before you get to like, to me, it's just funny. It's almost karma, right? It's like you, you run this diva <laughs> thing and, and bitch out your management and scream at the national anthem because you're this guy who needs this perfect routine because you're a phenomenal pitcher. You can't have that attitude and be terrible. I mean, that's the thing. Like Roger Clemens got in trouble for his attitude. He's one of the best people to throw a baseball. You can't have the attitude and then go out there and you can't even get through two. I mean, they're, the Rays have openers that are going lo- longer than Garrett Cole. You can't have openers pitch longer. I mean, it just just embarrassing. We'll see what the rest of the year brings, but 
Maine. You know that New York fan base can be savages to its own players, so he's definitely catching some flack. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to give you mine, and, um, you know, this guy's picked it up a little bit, and I, I think he will pick it up. I'm not worried, but I'm picking the I'm picking Shohei Otani as my player who's still been underperforming. Um, and I kind of picked this on the fly because I was planning on Garrett Cole and I didn't think you would take him. But um, he was my backup, Shohei Otani. I mean, you know, reigning MVP, everybody knows Shohei Otani. So he started really poor, um, but still, he's only batting 216 right now with an on-base percentage of 250 because he's only gotten walked three times. He's 11 for 51 with 17 strikeouts. Um, and that's from the batting side. He has two doubles, three homers, um, seven RBIs. So, you know, not really the best numbers at all. His OPS is under 700. Um, and then on the mound, he had a really good first game um, where he was striking out a bunch of guys. But right now his ERA sits at 7.56 after a really disappointing start the other day against, uh, I think it was, it might have. It was the Rangers series. It was the first game of that series. He gave up a bunch of runs. He has a seven point five six ERA. He's zero and two, eight point innings pitched total, giving up ten hits. He has struck out fourteen guys, but this is over two games. So I, you know, I just haven't been overwhelmed. You know, last year he was a solid pitcher and he started the All Star game and he was, you know, he was everything. This year, his batting numbers are way down, and his pitching numbers aren't there yet. It's a super small sample size. He's only pitched two games, and, you know, we're only 10 or so games into the season. But he has not, you know, come off his MVP season shining yet. And I'm worried about that Angels team. You know, Mike Trout's already hurt, took that hit pitch to the hand. Shohei's struggling. Um, You know, they got good production the other night in the game against the Astros. But I, I'm a little bit worried. You know, I don't think this. I think it's going to be another Angels season for the Angels. I, I don't think they're going to make the postseason unless, even if Shohei picks it up. But Shohei's got to pick it up. I expect him to. Um, but it's been a really rough start to the season so far for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little on the fence about the pick because um, he, since I'm pretty sure he made the dicey or uh, was on the cold list last week, and. He's he has gotten a little bit better, but I I kind of like where your head's at with like it's about expectations. You're coming off literally the best MLB season in a century. The expectations are through the roof. Um, you know I don't think either one of us had the Angels in the playoffs, but I think we both knew if they're going to do it, Mike Trout and Shohei have to stay healthy and play out of their mind. Uh, and both those things are not happening. You know, and and you know. You, if the batting falls behind, but the pitching increases, that's one thing. That's not what we're seeing. Um, bats coming alive a little bit, but like you said, this is not, you know, this is not the show. Hey, we know it'd be good for baseball to get him back. You know, he wants to be back, uh, but certainly a disappointed start. Definitely. Yep. And yeah, he. Mo- I know we've talked about him before. I know last year I picked my cold player as Bobby Wood Jr., so, but I know we've talked about his struggles. I think it was just its own segment in an episode we talked about. I, I think it was a storyline. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I guess I didn't necessarily mean to harp on, harp on it again, but um, that does it. I mean, good. I think it's another good group of players that we're keeping our eye on. Let's turn it to the final segment of this week, the lock of the week. Go ahead, James. Before we even go to lock of the week, I want to give an honorable mention for bum of the week and that is going to be mlb umpires calling games for the seattle mariners uh julio rodriguez number three prospect in baseball obviously got called up he has been he has struck out looking 11 times now and eight of those strikeouts came on balls that were outside of the zone like the final strike and the strikeout and you just can't have that i mean you're a rookie hitter it is hard enough to come in and be successful facing the best of the best. And then when you have umps just, and like, that's the thing. I mean, eight, we're not talking about two or three, eight. I mean, it's just like, I swear the umps are like, have a sign in all the rooms. It's like screw Julio Rodriguez. So (laughs) that's my little mini Mariners fan rant. I had to get in there. So last week 
our bets. Um, we are just struggling. I think we're both 0 for 4 on our Sunday night baseball bets. And now, uh, wait, are we? I forget. We're, we are 0 for 2 on, we're both 0 for 2 on Sunday night baseball, and we are 0 for 1 on our lock of the weeks. Yeah, what even was my Sunday night baseball bet? I thought, I think I picked, oh no, I, yeah, never mind. I remember. I picked Padres minus one and a half. They won by one. Uh, but anyway, so we just can't hit a bet. So I'm, I'm keeping it simple this week. Um, I am picking, I just, I'm just going with what I want this week since everything else seems to fail. I'm going Cardinals plus 110 tomorrow, Thursday, April 21st. Um, so if you're listening to this in the morning, it'll be tonight, Thursday, April 21st. Cardinals are plus 110 playing the Marlins. So taking the Redbirds as an underdog is good against a Marlins team. That's not great. We got Jordan Hicks on the mound for his first start of the year. Super hard throwing guy. Throws like 103, 104. Um, I just I think he'll get it done. That's my pick of the week is the Cardinals plus 110 in going for the sweep. I will already call they'll win the night. They'll be going for the sweep tomorrow. Cardinals plus 110. James, give me your interest. I like the mindset there. I'm in the same mindset of let's scale back. Let's go easier. I've also taken just a money line. Um, but I'm kind of trying to play just law of averages and statistics here. Uh, and no offense by this pick, but I am taking the St. Louis Cardinals are traveling to Cincinnati and on Friday night, uh, I will be taking the Reds money line for St. Louis. Now, I will add, uh, the line is not out. I don't even know the odds on it. I'm really hoping to get positive odds on a terrible two-win Reds team. Yeah. <laughs> but my assumption is, one, Hunter Green is really the only thing that this Reds team has going for it. He will be on the mound. He's looked great. He dealt with the Dodgers pretty good. So I'm hoping, you know, eventually they have to win a game at home. So that's kind of where this is coming from. I think if St. Louis is coming off a sweep, Reds are back to try and defend great American. I think things are adding up for maybe the Reds to sneak a win. And I'm taking the bet that that Friday, Hunter Green is the win that they sneak out of that series. That is such a bad pick. I like. I can't even believe that. <laughs> um, Reds are about to lose their tenth straight game today. Well, they're down three zero in the sixth. They're about to lose their tenth straight game. Um, uh, we'll see. All the averages. It's yeah, all that. They're not. I don't think that they finished the season two in hundred sixty. That's what I'm betting on. Now we'll see. <laughs> chances are, chances are, I'm not picking the right game, but. Everything else I've brought in, you know, using my big J journalism skills and my big baseball brain is not working. So it's like, you know what? The Reds have to win one. Hunter Green's all they have. Pretty rudimentary pick. And I'm probably going to get blown up. They probably lose by 10. And then we're going to find a new lock of the week. But law of averages, ride with me. Hammer the money line. Hunter Green gets it done. Well, you never know. It's a pick, I guess. We'll it, keep track. It is a pick. <laughs> Who's going to get their first win? I guess if my bet hits, I'll get the first win just by the schedule. But we are just completely 0 for this far. We'll turn it around. We'll, we'll get it rolling. You know, and again, like I said, it just sucks because had this show been recorded, I would have taken, I mean, I did take the Freddie Freeman home run. So doesn't count. I don't want it to count. But it's just like, man, I can't catch a break as far as my, my published picks that count and are going against the record i'm just hoping honestly if my betting record can be better than the reds by the end of the season i'll be i know i won't be happy with that truthfully i won't be happy i want to be at least 50 percent and uh slow start i'm also like last week i took like this parlay at plus 450 it was like ridiculous i just gotta keep it simple nice and easy um but yeah i mean james those are i think we went through all our the, all the things we wanted to talk about it was a good episode um, any, any other, anything else from you? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of any other just storylines. Um, I, I guess I know we talked about the Braves Dodgers, but I don't know if we specifically said this, uh, in game two where Kenley Jansen got his save, it was Kenley Jansen in Dodger stadium, getting a save for the Atlanta Braves by 
getting through the last out of Los Angeles Dodgers first baseman Freddie Freeman. And that was just a weird, weird thing to see. Like my head was all over the place watching just a complete Freaky Friday swap of what should be happening. So that was just kind of a cool moment. Yeah, another cool one. There was an immaculate inning. Uh, who threw it? The Yankees pitcher threw it. Um, forget his name, but it was like the 104th in history. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three outs. Um, pretty cool to see. I will say, I think immaculate innings are like really cool. Like they're awesome when they happen. I mean, it's it's as good as it gets. Nine for nine, but. Like Yankees fans, Yankees Twitter, from what I was seeing, you would have thought there was a perfect game thrown. I mean, they were like, well, you know, pull out the champagne. We got to go, you know. It was nasty. uh, Oh, shit. I did Nestor Cortez, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So congratulations, 104th Immaculate inning. Pretty cool um, little thing to do. And I think, you know, outside of that, we're always looking for recommendations for new segments, things you want us to talk about. you know, follow the show, give us your recommendations and feedback on Twitter, uh, rounding third now, rounding three RD. Uh, good place to go, just baseball highlights, like to talk baseball. And, you know, it's been a good show. Excited to continue on into this season, which it's still, it started to wear off on me a little bit, you know, the taking it for granted aspect. You know, I wouldn't say I'm taking it for granted, but like the first two weeks of baseball, it's like, oh my gosh, every morning I had to pinch myself. This is real. You know, we signed a collective bargaining agreement. Let's play. And right. now it's just routine. And uh, excited to see some fun things to follow this season, definitely. Definitely. Well, we'll stay in touch with us on Twitter. We're tweeting all the highlights from all the games, so you don't have to give us a follow if you want to stay in touch with baseball um, and interact with us. Should be a good season. Should be a good week. We will be back on Monday with our rapid recap and some other storylines from the rest of the week. All right, James, good talking. Always a pleasure.